Good morning, Ohio. James Lewis of this Dream House, the show that is all about the house. We have a very exciting guest with us today, Natasha Feldman of Nosh with Tosh. But before we get to Natasha, we're going to give out our email address because we're always doing contests and always giving away prizes to different fun things. Not sure what our current uh, prize is for, but email us at tdhcincy at gmail.com for a chance to win prizes. tdhcincy at gmail.com. Odds are we're going to have some Disney on Ice and Monster Jam tickets available to win. So uh, it's always something fun. Natasha, thank you for joining us today. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Welcome. It's our pleasure. We're excited. We want to learn all about Nosh with Tosh. First off, uh, I was going to say we're excited that it's you, Tosh, not T-O-S-H, because that guy's just weird. (laughs) Uh, Daniel Tosh, you know, pros and cons. I love him. I know he's controversial. (laughs) Definitely. I enjoy the show to a point, but I'm like, at some points, it, it, it feels like he's being mean to the people. A little more than... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I'm remember like, my... Yeah, there's, there's a point where it's funny, and then there's a point where it's mean, and I'm like, I like the funny part, but then the mean part, I'm like... I'm like I just think you remember when he made his staff go on a roller coaster and drink like a liter of Sprite and then eat Mentos, and I was like, okay, this has crossed the line. That is just cruel. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, they need some odd things. Or was it a banana? I don't know. It's like two things that really don't mix well. It's like a banana and Sprite or Mentos. And yeah, Sprite. I don't right. remember. Yeah, but it's it like, was yeah, some combination of that. I know what you mean. Yeah, because <laughs> if you take the Mentos and you put it in the Sprite, it does the an explosion thing. Bad things. One of those scientific I think that would have been. I would have. I would have just been like, "Here is my resignation. I am absolutely not getting on that roller coaster right now. Exactly. Have a nice life." Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> So we're excited. Tell us, what is Nosh with Tosh? So Nosh with Tosh is a web series that is all about taking the intimidation out of cooking and making it really fun and palatable for, you know, interesting people who just haven't spent that much time getting to know the kitchen. I think there's sort of this there's this wall between people who know how to cook and people who don't. And I think you get to a certain age and you're like, well, if I'm one of those people that doesn't know how to cook, then, you know, I just, that's just my life. And I want to give those people an opportunity to see that cooking is actually really easy and that you can learn it at any age. And it doesn't have to be something that pretends to be easier than it is. I want to show the mistakes and help people through them and, it's just sort of an honest portrayal of what cooking really is. I agree with you. A lot of times things like that are just a mental barrier. And if, you know, they have someone like you that can show how you can uh, can utilize it. Like you said, there are challenges to cooking. But the first step, of course, is just having the confidence to try. Exactly. So The confidence and the curiosity, too, is a big part of it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, curiosity is very important. We actually had um, a Dr. Judson, on, and he talks about how curiosity, uh, he's from uh, Yale, and how curiosity is such an important tool uh, for uh, changing lives. So I agree with you. Having the curiosity to want to learn how to cook and want to learn how to better yourself is always a good thing. So how did it all get started? 
Well, it all started back in 2008, I would say. Uh, in my in my mind, there was also like a visual that uh, that attached to that, and it was like time, and it would dump Ooh. you directly into Borough Market in London, um, which is where I was when I was studying Shakespeare, living in London, and I just had this epiphany one day that I didn't think I was on a path that really made sense for the kind of life that I wanted to lead. And that day in the market, I picked up a bunch of random odds and ends, um, and I started to teach myself how to cook, mainly as a sort of like self-soothing opportunity to let my brain uh, start putting together new patterns to see what maybe I would want to do. And after a few weeks, people were like, hey, what are you cooking? And after a few more weeks, people were like, hey, that's really good. And after a few, few more weeks, people were like, hey, can I have that recipe? And so after I finished college, I was like, you know, I'm going to go to culinary school. And I read a lot, and I practiced a lot, and I, you know, really fell in love with cooking. But at, a, at an age that I think most people already feel like they know they love it or they don't, which is part of the reason I, I really think at any age you can start to learn to love it. And, um, you know, the curiosity, always learning, always growing, and it sort of has snowballed with its ups and downs. I've um, worked as a caterer, and I've worked as a, a private chef, and I've worked as a culinary producer, and sort of everything has snowballed into this place where I – you know, at a certain point, it was like, I want to really make something to show that anybody can do this with all these skills that I've accumulated and acquired. And I worked a lot in, in production, too. So I just sort of took all the mush and put it into this nosh with tosh stew. And that's how it happened. Sounds awesome. So it sounds like, you know, like you said, originally you weren't in love with cooking, but over time it is uh, grown and developed. Yeah, in fact, I mean, my favorite thing in the world is going to the farmer's market now and talking to farmers and figuring out, you know, what to do with strange and odd produce I've never seen before. When I was a kid, my mom would beg me to go with her, and I'd be like, why would I want to go look at vegetables? Like, you are an insane person. I could do anything right now, like draw or pretend that I'm in another country in my own mind and you want me to look at a vegetable? You know, I was I was really not into it, but then, but then I really learned to love it, and now it's basically my whole life. So, when you were an actress, what type of plays did you act? And you mentioned something about Shakespearean. So, were you like Lady Macbeth or anything like that? Um, so I was never Lady Macbeth. I wish I was always like Dude on the Left, Number Six. You know, that was sort of my general positioning, but. I did a lot of different genres, everything from, like, Mariana Pineda, which is Lorca, to Once Upon a Mattress, which is a goofy musical that I think originally starred Sarah Jessica Parker, to Looking for Normal, which is um, a Jane Anderson play about a father's transition um, into becoming a transgender woman. I I mean, I, I performed, I guess, for, you know, the better half of my life, so 13. 14 years, Fiddler on the Roof. I mean, every like every musical under the sun and then a, a spattering of, of plays that sort of bend genres. I, I really always liked the comedic roles inside of darker dramatic pieces, but um, I like to challenge, so I would sort of take, take whatever. Interesting. 
So it sounds like uh, your acting has actually helped with uh, your current career of cooking. Yeah, I really think so. And one, one of the things I really love about cooking is that each recipe sort of is a story in its own way. And especially when you're writing recipes, you want to find a fun way to get from the beginning of the recipe to the end of the recipe. You want it to be really clear. You want it to have an arc. And you want people to feel sort of accomplished by the end. And you want them to feel like it was worth the trouble. And I feel like it's, it's very much the same when people come see your show or when you're thinking about a character. And specifically, when I'm um, hosting cooking shows, you want to, well, I think that the spontaneity element and being able to do things once and just roll with it is obviously from my background doing a lot of theater. Um, but more than that, just like the spirit of being okay with things being different every time, which I think is something that a lot of cooks really strive to not have, specifically if you work in a restaurant that's People come in and they expect your food to be exactly the same, but that's not realistic for a home cook. Um, and it's specifically not realistic for a home cook who's just beginning. So I think, yeah, for me, that marriage worked really well. I agree with you. I was going to say 99% of all the chefs that I spoke to, they say, you know, you want to do it the same every time. I was going to say, it sounds like you have uh, something in common with uh, Roger Mooking. A uh, really neat chef. Uh, he does like the HDTV and the Food Network stuff. He actually goes to the other extreme where he never does the same recipe twice. It is the uh, the wildest thing. Really nice fellow out of uh, uh, Canada. And uh, we had him wow. a while back. And yeah, like even the, the normal stuff like chicken noodle soup, he won't do the same twice. And I'm like, certain things I want the same twice, you know? <laughs> If I'm sick, I want that same chicken noodle soup. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but well, that's so cool. I mean, there's room for people that like to cook in every way, and there's room for lazy cooks, and there's room for people that want to make avant-garde type of food, and there's room for the you know the molecular gastronomist. There's room for all kinds of different cooks, and I think it's nice to have people to represent all of the different kinds of people that want to cook and and. You know, I'm more on the uh, on the lazy side of the spectrum. Like, how do I make cooking really easy and approachable? And then if you want to, you know, learn how to finesse a sourdough loaf that has four kinds of wheat and you want to mill your own grains, then there's somebody else for you to do that. You know, there's someone for everyone. Exactly. So tell us about how it got started on Yahoo. Oh, Yahoo. Um, R.I.P. So my friend and I, it, she had just finished uh, film school, and I had just finished culinary school, and we decided we wanted to make something fun together. So we put together a show called Cinema and Spice, which was recipes inspired by movies and TV shows, and we made it for YouTube. We That was how we really learned how to make cooking shows, and we made some really funny errors that will never be seen by anybody that's not us. We shot an entire episode on the movie Mystic Pizza that remains locked in an archive behind 15 doors and a <laughs> flesh-eating alligator. Like, nobody will ever see it. It's so bad. Um, and we did them for quite a while until we figured it out. And then we started looking for someone who, who might want to buy it. And we, you know basically knocked down Yahoo's door until they were so tired they said yes and they uh, ran it and I think we made 
uh, somewhere around like 70 videos for them. Uh, and we worked with them right until they stopped producing content. And we had the best time with them. Oh, awesome. I was going to say, it sounds like fun. And the fact that the... Um the uh, the theme of the show is uh, basing it on uh, movie franchises. That that sounds like a really interesting connection. Thanks. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Specifically, you know, working with somebody like Yahoo it was a great opportunity for them to have ancillary content to talk about movies that were coming up with with partners that they were already working with. And then for us, it was really fun to expose our audience to movies that maybe they hadn't seen before. Um, we did like Raising Arizona and, you know, at, at the time on YouTube, I'd say most of our audience was around our age. And I don't think most people were exposed to that, that film. And if we had continued it, we talked about doing things that were uh, more interesting, like Tom Popo and, you know, sort of like branching out into the more bizarre. But we tried to sort of have a nice balance of really mainstream things like uh, um, we did. Uh, let, let me think. We did like Annie Hall. We did um, Lone Ranger when that was coming out. We did Avengers. We did Dirty Dancing, a bunch of stuff that was more on that side. And then we also were like, okay, well, we also want you to know who Miyazaki is. So here's Spirited Away, or here's this, or here's that. So that was really fun. And then obviously you get to teach. Teaching recipes inspired by movies gets really wacky really fast, and I love that. So we did very we really did took a deep dive into each theme i'll say i'm a big marx brothers fan so uh did you do duck soup no but darn would have if we have kept going for sure excellent <laughs> so do you perform uh, to be on the front of the camera or behind the camera so right now in front of the camera, it really ebbs and flows, and it depends on the show. Sometimes I'll get really, really into the minutia and detail of figuring out how something works, and when you're in that headspace, it's nice to have somebody else in front of the camera, but right now, I've really been enjoying getting better at hosting and finding new and interesting ways to tell stories um as as the talent so but, you know that stuff sort of changes all the time so i i assume at some point it'll it'll go back and i'll be like you know i want to make this show for this kind of person or i'll get hired by a production company to sort of you know figure out how to get certain a certain people of certain age to watch some kind of show and then you know you sort of get really into that but right now in front of the cameras where i'm loving so what is adulting and are there classes available what is a what? Adulting. <laughs> you know, nobody knows truly. Um, what is adulting? I did a I did a show uh, for Hello Giggles, Adulting One Hundred and One. That was really fun. They had a they had a panel of of people come through. Actually, it ended up being for People Magazine. I think they ended up having a panel of people coming through and helping uh, young twenty some humans figure out how to do some like basic uh, adult with quotes around it um, to, to accumulate adult skills. So maybe someone will come in and help them do their taxes or me, I teach them how to cook or organize your home. You know, adulting, I think it's funny that it's become such a popular phrase, but I think as a society, we really value education in such a specific way until you get to a certain age, and then you get dumped into the world, and it's like, yeah, all of that stuff about history and math 
is really important. But you know what's more important? Taxes, saving money, knowing how to buy a home, knowing how to invest in the stock market, knowing how to feed yourself. Like, sorry, we took home ec away. And then I think the floor really gets just dropped out from under you when you realize, like, oh, yeah, all this stuff that I just spent my entire life learning is important, but also. So I think that's sort of what adulting is. It's the school after school. And, you know, we should all go to school for it. So why do people love watching others cook? I think there are a few reasons. The main reason I think people like it is it's mesmerizing to watch something transform that quickly, which is why I think those BuzzFeed and So Yummy Tasty videos do so well because it's incredibly gratifying to watch something happen quickly and to watch something happen, watch something transform into something beautiful. It's very magical. It's very soothing. I think that's why people like it first off, but also I think there are a lot of things that you can learn from watching the way people's hands move, from how people are talking about food, from seeing how sticky a dough is, from, you know, being able to show like when something's good and when something's bad that you just cannot get from a recipe. So it's so much more rich, which is why I love I love making cooking videos specifically. And I think it's nice to get a lot of information out of a short period of time. It is so, so much of our life is not instant gratification. And a cooking video is like the definition of that. And I think that's why people like it. And I hope that the videos that I make do that in a sense, but also motivate you to want to do it, which I think a lot of a lot of people don't get that from watching people cook. Exactly. I was going to say, a lot of times it feels that cooking shows and cooking books inspire people to cook, but they set unfair expectations where it seems like your recipes are more grounded and it feels like they're more able to be emulated. Yeah, I I certainly hope so. That's the goal of all the recipes and the goal of the way that I shoot it and I really want people to feel and handle anything that I put in front of them. Exactly, because with most other shows, it feels like they have a culinary team that designed to do all the work for them, where it seems like with yours, you do everything. Yeah, I don't shoot it. Um, I have friends who help come over and, and shoot when we do larger shows. But everything else, yeah, I... You know, I've, I've worked on enough other other programs to see what goes on behind the scenes and how, you know, you finish your product and then someone on your culinary team will take it away and finish whatever you were plating with tweezers or take it out and swap it for something that looks better or you just, you know, you have swap outs throughout the process so your squash wasn't done and now it's done and it looks great. And I think there's they're, you know, like you said, that's what most shows are. And I, I think that is totally logical and a great way for people to see how things happen. But I felt like there was enough of that. And I wanted to make something that showed the other side, which is just you buy the ingredients once, like you would at home. You make it like you would at home. If it's not perfect, you fix it like you would at home. It's, I think there's a place for that. So is it true that you do the show in just one take? Yeah. I will sometimes if I if I like really have a spastic moment and just say something that makes absolutely no sense, which is something I do a lot of the time.
say something again, but I never repeat the steps of the cooking process. Nice. So in other words, that time you talked about Mystic Pizza got edited out. (laughs) (laughs) The time that entire video, I got edited and I swallowed it so nobody would ever see it. Yes. (laughs) So how important is it to have a good time while cooking? How important is it to have a good time while cooking? Yeah. Man, how important is it to have a good time while you do anything? Um, I think it's really important. I think it's hard to learn. It's hard to problem solve. It's hard to see past hurdles. It's hard to do anything if you're not having a good time. I think it really is important to frame all, everything that you do from, from the easiest to the most complicated in that light and to make everything fun. I mean, life is long, but life is short, and I think it only makes products better. I mean, I guess unless you're like you were Elliot Smith writing really sad music and then having fun while doing it probably wouldn't have aided in the genius of him, but for the most part, I think People who want to live, you know, well-rounded, balanced life, balanced lives, it's really important to find that. And especially in cooking where things are going to go wrong a lot and you just have to think it's funny and have a good time. And every once in a while, you're going to ruin something so bad you're going to order takeout. And that's okay. It's all fun. It's all part of the process. Can anyone become a great cook? I think so. I really think so. I think... You know, if you can go to a restaurant and you know what tastes good and you have a refined enough palate, which honestly I think basically everybody in 2019 and going into 2020 will have because we all – uh, we all, no matter where you live, basically are exposed to people who make really great food. I and mean, I've been to some, like, really remote places, um, and it – incredible that you know you can find people all over the world who really understand flavors and once you're exposed to that and once you can contrast the food that you make to what somebody else makes your palate is refined enough to be able to make good food you just have to want to do it and you have to sort of understand the principles of cooking which comes just from trying it and from making bad food and from getting better and being open to thinking like, okay, well, what went wrong and how can I make it better next time and taking notes? But yeah, I think anybody, anybody can cook and anybody can be a good cook. So tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like shooting season one of Nash with Tosh. It was really fun to figure out. I mean, it was fun. It was challenging to figure out how to shoot something once. Um, how to bring people in. I was really scared that, you know, pe- that, that the sort of authenticity and the intimacy of it was maybe not going to be interesting to people, um, that maybe everybody does just want to see things go perfectly from the beginning to end. And maybe people do only watch cooking shows because they want somebody to always be better than them and to always shepherd them towards making something right. And I, I wasn't sure. And so a lot of times on set when I was doing something once I would start, you know, feeling really nervous that I'm going to put this thing out into the world and people are going to be like, well, why is she making, why is she showing me how to make something? And then it doesn't go right. Like, why would I watch that? 
Um, so I had a lot of those fears. So I tried to find ways to make it really fun for people to watch, even if they felt that way, hoping that they wouldn't. And it was, it was difficult. And I think each episode gets a little bit better because I start figuring out, okay, well maybe this works and maybe that works. And, um, Eventually, I think I got it, and I think season two is definitely stronger than season one for that reason, finding out what do people actually want to learn and what are they okay with um, messing up, and how do I really explain how to fix things? So it was, it, you know, it, it's like putting a puzzle together, and, and sometimes sometimes the entire puzzle is white, and you're like, how will I ever finish this? But you do. So uh, season one and season two are already done. What any uh, sneak previews for season three? So I'm working on that right now, and I, uh, you know, season one and season two are all recipes that are easy for the home cook. That are something you can do on a weeknight or something that you can do on a weekend. They're they're all relatively interchangeable. They have relatively similar flavor profiles. And season three is going to be uh, more themed, and it will it will sort of be broken down into um, different recipes that you might want to make for different occasions or different times of the year. So it's going to be a little bit more thematic and a little bit more party-oriented, which uh, I think will be really fun. And I'm going to bring in uh, new guests. Season one and season two was just me and my dog, but season three will have other humans in it. <laughs> awesome. I was going to say, I uh, got some terms and some fun, uh, just general cooking questions I want to ask you. Uh, Hell yeah. Well, saw it on American Dad, so I'm kind of curious about it. What is spatchcock? Mm. <laughs> is that not the best word? It is. It is a fun word. <laughs> So spatchcocking is, is the same thing as butterflying. Basically, you um, remove the backbone of the bird, which is really easy, and that allows you to just flatten out the bird in a way that it cooks essentially in half the time. Oh. And when you, when you flatten it out, it gives you the opportunity to have the pan really come in contact with more of the bird. So you get crispy bottom, crispy top. It cooks really quickly. It's really flavorful. And it's great if you want to cook a chicken, especially on a weeknight where you're like, I don't want to wait until this entire thing cooks. I just want to, you know, crack it open, flatten it out, and uh, have my dinner in half the time. I think it's really fun, and it, it's nice to just give people opportunities to cook things slightly differently. Awesome, because Roger kept talking about it, and I didn't know what the heck he was talking about, but he was very <laughs> enthused about it. It sounded like fun, so, so I wanted to... It uh, is really fun. I, I mean, I want to describe it as brutal, but I really think the more connected you can get to how things happen in cooking, the more fun it becomes. And it's simple things like getting a whole chicken and breaking it down is, well, it's cheaper to buy a whole chicken. And I think it's really nice to like get the, the things that you cook. And, you know, especially with roasting a chicken, um, which by the way, after shooting season one, I learned that I am incredibly allergic to chicken and I've basically been covered in hives my whole life because oh of chicken. So I am now not eating it, but I still do make it for others. <laughs> um, so that's fun. That's a fun little tidbit. Um, 
you know, especially with something like my beloved chicken, you can spice it in 18 million different ways and get it to fit into so many different meals that once you get that technique of the butterflying or the spatchcocking, it's really like the world is totally your oyster. Sounds awesome. So what is the website? What is the social media? So my Instagram is Nosh with Tosh. Um, you know, Nosh is like the the it's um, Yiddish for snacking or small bites or you know any anything in that general vicinity. So that's N O S H. And then I go by my name is Natasha, but I go by Tosh T A S H. So it's Nosh with Tosh. Um, that's my Instagram handle. Also, I'm always available via Instagram for anybody that has cooking questions. I'm like the Butterball Hotline 24-7, so people should use me for that. And my website is noshwithtosh.com. There's tons of recipes and videos, and you can check out the shirt there. But, you know, DM me on Instagram if you want one. Awesome. It's been great. Have enjoyed having Natasha Feldman on our show today. Thank you from everyone at Appliance Factory and Mattress Kingdom to all of the frontline workers for your sacrifices, dedication, courage, and commitment during the pandemic. You are at the forefront every single day, representing change and hope to the world. Thank you from Appliance Factory and Mattress Kingdom. Appliance Factory of Mattress Kingdom is your kitchen appliance headquarters. Save 30 to 60% every day on everything from LG and GE to KitchenAid and Samsung. If you're considering upgrading your home appliances or mattresses, stop at any one of Appliance Factory of Mattress Kingdom locations. Plus, Mattress Kingdom inside Appliance Factory has largest Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and Sealy Selection. Visit ApplianceFactory.com. Are you looking to drive more traffic in your door? Are you looking to expand and open new stores? Do you have a hard time using your co-op or leveraging your vendors to drive new business into your business? If so, North Media is the advertising agency for you. We're a full-service advertising agency with a proven track record of success. Contact us today at northmedia.net for a free consultation.